Well, good morning. My name is Bill Stafiri. I'm the senior pastor here at Beach Point. If you are new, I would love to get to meet you after the service. Just come introduce yourself or reintroduce yourself because I will forget, um, but I'll try really hard. I'll do my best to remember, but we're so excited that you could be with us. Uh, today's a big day. We're, we're, as Justin said, we're launching uh, a whole new uh, 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 series and theme, and we're talking about what it means to be under construction. And, and building something new is exhilarating, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I, every time I see the, the, the drawings of some of the things that we're going to be building on our campus, some of the new things that are coming, uh, the, the construction project, I, I just, man, I get excited. In fact, sometimes people find me out on the basketball court. They'll be here uh, for something, and it'll be like late at night or early morning or whatever, and I'm walking around. And I'm talking to myself and praying out loud, and I just appear crazy. There's a, they call, and there's a crazy guy walking around out there. But I, I'm excited about what's, gonna, what's coming, and I'm praying for it. And I'm praying about what God's going to do. But building can be frustrating also, can it? Uh, we thought we would be under construction, literally, right now. We had made plans. Uh, we, we thought that the, the, the grounds would be torn up, the modular would be gone, all these kinds of things. In fact, we built a series called Under Construction, a vacation Bible school called Under Construction, because we thought the campus was going to be all torn up. It hasn't quite worked out that way. It will happen, and we have some good things that are happening right after the summer. But if you've ever done a home construction project, you know this about construction. It is unpredictable. It is messy. It is inconvenient. You cannot schedule and and control construction the way that you wish you could. And so as we kick off this year, uh, this summer, uh, uh, this, this is the most, I think in some ways, the most exciting week of our year. It's our, as Jason, uh, Justin said, our, our uh, vacation Bible school. We will have literally hundreds of kids that are here uh, as part of the vacation Bible school. Uh, uh, we have so many kids coming that we actually, every year, it sells out. We have a waiting list. There are 50 kids at home right now crying because they don't get to come right now. And so we'll pray for them later. But, I mean, it is such a big deal. There's so many things that are going on. There are hundreds of volunteers that make it happen. It's incredible. And the energy, if you ever get a chance this week, uh, either at 9 in the morning or at noon, just to watch the, the, the opening or closing sessions, watching just... If you don't have Facebook, just watch Facebook at least this week. Cause I, I, I just peek because you'll see the kids singing and dancing. And it's just so much fun, the whole thing, taking it in. But this theme of under construction is not just a vacation Bible school theme. This theme is our summer theme. Because whether you realize it or not, your life is under construction as well. And, and so one of the things that we want you to see is uh, this... this uh, big idea I want to uh, uh, share with you today that uh, as, as challenging as construction is, it is also exhilarating that God is, that our lives are under construction. And here's why. Here's our big idea today. God is building his life in ours. God is building his life in ours. Uh, now, I don't know if you realize it, that your life is under construction, uh, if you've ever thought of it this way, but uh, let me let me invite you. Let me let me transport you into theology 101. And I, in three minutes, I'm going to give you three important concepts to help you understand where this is all going. But something happened. Let me move this out of the way. Something happened. So something happened when you came to faith in Christ. When you became, became a follower of Jesus, something happened. We would say it this way: that we were saved. 
We were saved. And, and what happened is as you, uh, as the Spirit of God drew you to, his, to himself, as you found your, your heart resonating with this and saying, yes, I want to turn from my old life and by faith, I want to I receive uh, your life, your love, your forgiveness. I want to follow you. Something happened. There was a moment where we were saved and we call that justification. One of the things that happened is that you were justified. And and what that means is kind of a, there's a transaction that happened that all of your bad stuff, all your sin, uh, all your penalty, all that stuff, everything in your account was transferred to Jesus and everything in his account was transferred to you. Seems like a very unfair trade. Uh, uh, Martin Luther called it the beautiful exchange or the great exchange. This exchange took place and you were, you were saved. Something happened. But beyond just a transaction happening in heaven, you were adopted. You became, in that moment, a child of God. You became a son and you became a daughter. And you were adopted. Now, think about this. When you become a son or a daughter, you also become an heir. You became an heir of God and all that belongs to him. Uh, you became a co-heir with Christ. So something significant happened. There was a moment... And we can point, some of you can point really clearly to that moment in your life where I was saved, we were saved. But you and I know this, that part of our faith, part of the, the, uh, one of the neat parts of our faith is we know that down the road, we are going to be saved. We will be saved. Uh, And so there's a way that we can look at the future and say we will be saved. And we think about heaven We think about beyond heaven, we actually think about new heaven and new earth that ultimately, if we die now and we go to be with him, ultimately, uh, as the scriptures say, that that God is going to come again, Uh, Jesus will come again, that that, uh, at some point, heaven and earth will meet, there'll be a new heaven, new earth, this great life, this good news that you are not going to be, uh, uh, grow wings, get a harp, and fly around uh, in the sky on a, on a little cloud. That's not your future. That new bodies, new, uh, uh, the creation recreated. This gl- and, and the way that theolo- uh, theologians will say it, that you will be glorified. It's what we call we are glorified. So there's, glorifica- there's uh, justification. There's glorification. So these are these big kind of terms. So here's the, here's the ch- challenging thing for us to think about. So we usually live in one of two worlds. I was saved. I'm going to be saved. But what happens in this in-between time today, now? What's happening in this time? And the way that theologians say it is that we are being saved. We are being saved. And here's the big word. It's uh, that we are being sanctified. And sanctified is just a big word that means that you are being set apart. You're being set apart for God. That he is building in you his life. And so one of the things, whether you realize it or not is that God is at work in you. From this point to this point, he's working in you. He's building his life in you, his character. And the way that we would characterize it, maybe the simplest way to say what's happening in this time, is what we might call Christ-likeness. You're being, uh, uh, he's working in you to help you become more and more like Christ, like Jesus Christ, more and more like his son. And so he's working on our the things we say and our, our attitudes and our desires and our actions, all those things so that we look and sound and become more and more like him. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this in between. This series this summer is going to be about this in between time, the stuff that God is building, this way that God is building his life in ours 
So let me invite you to do this. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to show you this. Philippians 1 verse 6 is our theme verse. But I want to look at these a few verses. Verses 3 to 6. And I want you to see this, this theme verse in light of kind of this, this beginning of this letter. And see the unique way in which God is working in the Philippians. And as Paul reveals that, that good work that he's doing, that in the same way you and I can hear a message to us, that he who began a good work is going to continue it until he completes it. And so this is the thing that we want to see in this today. Uh, and so here's, so uh, let, me, let me give you a kind of a, 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 let me give you permission. Maybe that's the best word. So in these next 21 minutes, here's what's going to happen. We're going to move really quick. I wore my running shoes just to make sure we could get there quick. So in the next 21 move, minutes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you five things. So here's what I want you to understand about these five things. We're going to move really quick through them. These five things uh, match up to the five daily themes that are going to happen during the week with, with the kids uh, during the week. So you get kind of a preview of what's going to happen this week with Vacation Bible School. You get a little bit of teaching on it uh, yourselves. But these five themes don't go, oh, that's cute. That'll be neat for the kids. No, these are for us. These five themes characterize what these next weeks are going to look like for us together as we, let, as we partner with God for his work, and then we let him do the work that he wants to do in our lives to build his life in ours. So here we go. Let's read Philippians 1, 3 through 6. You're going to get a cramp in your hand, so if you don't want to write things down, that's okay. We read these words. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Paul's saying something very clear here, so we'll stop there. God is building his life in you. You, me, we are under construction. And he is building his life in us. And he who began a good work in us, he's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is going to be our, our memory verse. This is kind of the key verse for the summer. So how does he do it? Here we go. Number one, he has a master plan. He has a master plan. From the very first day, to understand, when this letter was written to the Philippians, it's, it's kind of fascinating to watch that before they ever knew Paul, before they ever knew Jesus, that Jesus was working on their behalf, that he had plans for them. We, if you were here last week, we mentioned this uh, briefly last week, but there was a moment in Paul, uh, uh, Paul, who was a leader in the church. He was taking, he wanted to take the good news of what Jesus had done all over the, the world. He tried to go into this area of Asia and he was resisted, resisted, resisted. And then something happened. Acts 16 verse 9 says this, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia and concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Now think about this. They don't even know he's coming. They don't know anything about this. 
But notice, and, and uh, the Macedonians don't know, the Philippians, they don't know. Paul and his team, they don't know. But God knew. God had a plan. And God revealed that plan to Paul. Paul moved on that plan. And we see this. Now, as, we, as you see this kind of beginning kind of piece take place, um, don't you love to be around people that just have a great eye, like great vision? They're creative. They can see things that could happen that would be awesome. And, and aren't you energized by being around people like this? They're just kind of creative builders. And, and my, my buddy Caesar's this way. He's a construction guy. He owns this uh, company called Grayson Construction. And he was over at our house. We were having a barbecue. And I inherited this, this, this barbecue island. And it, it has some age on it. And so it's a little rickety. And the, the barbecue's basically died. So there's kind of random flames just c- coming out from all over the place. And so I'm strategically trying to place burgers in places I can find fire. And so Caesar asked me this question. He goes, are you okay with this? Um, basically saying, are you okay with kind of a, with mediocrity, with this mediocre barbecue, this broken down, uh, the, the broken down flames? Are you, are you okay with this? And I'm like, well, why? And he goes, he, he starts standing back, kind of like how visionaries do, and he starts looking at my backyard. And if you've ever been in his backyard and seen his, that what he has built in his backyard, like his barbecue, his pizza oven, like who else, who's built a pizza oven in their backyard, for crying out loud? And he starts going, what are you going to do in this corner? What if we, and he starts, he starts building in his mind this kind of awesome, like, entertainment uh, center there. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm drooling, not because of the meat there, but because of the possibilities of things we can grill on this, in this corner of my universe. And, and, and it's exciting to be around visionaries like this. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that God has exciting plans for you? Uh, things that you, they're, they're not even on your radar right now. That God has, he has thoughts, he has dreams, he has hopes, he has ambitions, he has things that he just goes, you know what would be so good? He's kind of chuckling around heaven with, you know what would be so good is if I could, I really want to do this in her life. I really want to do this in his life. And it's almost like, he, he, he's almost like, like how Caesar said, he almost comes up to us and says, and kind of leans up next to us and goes, are you okay with this, I mean, I, I can let you live here. You can have what you have. Are you okay with this? It's, it's kind of broken down. It's kind of mediocre. Because what if, and he begins to give us vision of what he could do in our life. One of the things I love about this letter and this moment in the letter is God had plans for these, these folks far before they ever realized it. And I think for you and I, when we start thinking about our lives being under construction, it's important to realize that there is a good, good master planner, a great architect, someone who, who knows us, knows what we need, knows and has beautiful, wonderful plans. Now, this is really important because it leads to the second point. That two, Number two is that he is an expert builder. Not only does he have an expert plan, but, he has, but he's an expert builder. You and I know, if you've ever been a part of any kind of uh, construction project, you got a, a bad builder. It just is, it's the worst because whether you're either going to pay more money or it's going to get 
broken or it's gonna, you have to get redone or you have to fire the person. I mean, having someone that doesn't know what they're doing is the worst. But Paul describes the work of God differently. Notice he says he began what? A good work. He who began this good work in you, he's gonna continue it. Meaning what? He's gonna continue to be doing good and good and good and good, good things in your life until that day, until it's complete. He's going to keep working good, good things in your life for that. He's an expert builder. He knows how to build your life. Do you trust him? I love the words of Dallas Willard. He's a, he's a great author. If you haven't read anything by him, I'd encourage you uh, this summer. He's, he's uh, such a great, great writer. He describes Jesus this way, though. He was, uh, Dallas Willard was a, a brilliant uh, professor of philosophy at USC. And in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, he, he challenges us to follow Jesus, to, uh, uh, to let him build our lives. And the reason why is there's never been anyone quite like Jesus in this world, and there never will be. He says this, he writes this, he says, at the literally mundane level, Jesus knew how to transform the molecular structure of water and make it wine. That knowledge also allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and some little fish and feed thousands of people. He could create matter from the energy that he knew how to access from the heavens right where he was. He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death to life. He knew how to suspend gravity, interrupt weather patterns, eliminate unfruitful trees without saw or axe. Uh, uh, He only needed a word. Surely he must be amused at what Nobel Prizes are awarded for today. In the ethical domain, he had an understanding of life that has influenced the world throughout more than any other. Death was not something imposed on him by others. He explained to his followers in a moment of crisis that he could at any time call on 72,000 angels to do whatever he wanted. He plainly said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down by my choice. All these things show Jesus' cognitive and practical mastery of every phase of reality, physical, moral, spiritual. Saying Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying Jesus is smart. He is not just nice, he is brilliant. He is the smartest man who has ever lived. He is now supervising the entire course of human history while simultaneously preparing the rest of the universe for our future role in it. He always has the best information on everything and certainly on the things that matter most in the human life. Friends, do you think that's someone worth trusting? Could you turn over the building of your life to someone like that? He is an expert builder. Now this is so critical because the third thing is the hardest part. The third thing is he will want to demolish destructive things. He will want to demolish destructive things. Now, when Paul was speaking, you notice in the introduction uh, in these words that there is both a present reality and there's also a future vision. But to move from present to future is going to require building, change. And one of the things we know is there's no way to really move forward in this way without in some ways removing some of the old things that are, are unnecessary. 
So on the side of our house, on the side of our driveway, we have this, this little wall. And I saw that this little sapling was growing up through it. And I just assumed it was something that grew from the other side from our neighbors. And so I just snipped it off and didn't think much of it. And it grew back. And this time it grew back a little more aggressively and it got a little bit bigger. And I, I kind of cut it back. And then we had a car breakdown, my son's car breakdown. And so we had parked it over to the side. And so after snipping it, I, 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 couldn't, I didn't see it. I didn't attend to it. And that little sapling grew into a small tree and at my first thought was I was angry I blamed the, the neighbors for it and then I thought well maybe I could just learn to live with it like I could just see it as something that uh, it, it adds a little bit of color to to kind of a, a a driveway and so I left it alone and it grew and it grew until it was about 10 feet tall and I realized, oh, this is really out of control. And so I went to try to cut it. And I cut and I filled a giant green trash can. I think all I did was prune it and make it angry because it grew like two feet more. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, this thing has gotten away from me. And so I called, our, I, I called the gardener to come and say, hey, can, can you help me cut this thing down? And I said, it's something from the other side. And what had happened was it had not only grown to 12 feet tall, it was now cracking the cement in our driveway. It was knocking the fence over. And so now I'm looking at this and it's why I call him. And he said, I said, you know, something from the other side grew up. He said, no, that's not what it is. And he pointed down the street. He goes, you see these 40 foot trees on your street? I said, yeah. He goes, that, that's a seed from one of those trees got in a crack and has begun to grow. This left unattended is going to be a 40-foot tree in the middle of your driveway. <laughs> so I not only have to cut it down, I have to poison it and kill the roots, or it will just keep growing back and causing more and more destruction. The destructive things in our lives usually start as what? A small seed, maybe just a little sapling. And we may ignore them. We may blame someone else for them. We may even rationalize and try to figure out how to live our life around them. But eventually those destructive things, just as Jesus warned, he said, those things will choke out the life of what I've come to give. Jesus told a parable. And he says, look, there will be things that will come. If you don't get rid of them, they will choke out the life of my word. As small as they start, they will create damage, significant damage. So Paul did something. And you'll see it. If you were to continue to read this letter, you would see it. He would talk about it in his own life. But when he would speak to the churches in all, his, in all his letters, you'll see one way or another, he would always challenge them that in some ways, for you to let God build his life in yours, you're going to have to let him demolish some of the old things. And the way he talks about it is not kind. Here's one sample. Galatians 5.24 says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus, you're here, okay, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have you ever seen a tame crucifixion? Have you ever seen someone gently nailed to a cross? There is nothing tame, there is nothing gentle about his words here. 
he's saying, don't ignore it. Don't blame. Don't rationalize. Don't try to figure out how to live around it. There are parts of who you are. They're the old parts. Okay, they're the part, the, the, it, when you turned, when you said, ah, I don't, it's not who I want to be anymore. And when you, repentance, remember, is an about face. It's, so when you turned and said, I, I don't want that to be who I am anymore. And you turned and you began to follow him. He says this, those things don't have the same power over you. But they're always going to be kind of lurking until you kill them. Not till you tame them, till you kill them. And through his power and through his presence, those things have to be, those old desires in us have to be crucified. They have to be put down. They have to be demolished. We can't rationalize. We can't tame. We must kill those things. We must demolish those things. And here's why. Here's the fourth thing. Because in its place, he will build beautiful things. He will build beautiful things. And one of the things, what you see in this moment is that Paul speaks about this beautiful relationship, this partnership that's built around this word he uses, the gospel. The word gospel means good news. What is the good news? 1 Corinthians 15, this was like maybe one of the first creeds, one of the first things that people began to quote and kind of memorize kind of their first, uh, their first VBS memory verse was maybe 1 Corinthians 15. But here's what we see. Here's the good news. He says, For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He says, we were dead in sin, but Jesus came, he died for our sins. He didn't just come, he wasn't just a martyr. He was buried and he rose again. And he appeared to Peter and to the 12. He appeared to 500 brothers and sisters. And when he's saying this, some of whom are still alive, the point when he was writing this is, you can even go talk to them. Something remarkable happened. The good news is something happened in the world. God didn't give up on us. God wants a relationship with us so much that he would send his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, who would trust him, who would, who would, who would live their life with him, would not perish but have everlasting life. He says he didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, to, to, to rescue it, to save it. This is good news, friends. We are made for a life with God now and forever. And throughout this letter, he talks about this good news. Something beautiful has happened. God has spared no expense to come after us. And I love this one picture of the idea of the gospel. Uh, John Ortberg writes this way, that the gospel, of course... Is not just that we'll go to heaven when we die. The gospel is the offer of life in God's kingdom. God's plan is that his image in us, which was marred in the fall, should be restored in all its beauty and glory. And this is back to that word I, I shared with you. Sanctification will take place for God's children. God wants to restore his life in you. He's building his life in you. This is the, the beautiful thing he is doing. You want to know what it will look like? If you skip down to verse 21, you'll get a kind of a picture of it. Paul would describe it in his own life. He'd say th th this way, that for me to live is Christ. 
if I die, gain. But if, you're gonna, if I'm going to continue to live in this world, he said it this way, to live is Christ. If you see me, you see Jesus. That's, that's his, that was his aspiration. He'd say it another way like, like this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, he's saying, here's the beautiful thing God's doing. Less of me, less of my chaos, more of him. His life, his love, his power, his beauty. He's building his life in mine. He's an expert builder with wonderful plans. And sometimes it means demolishing old things, but he will build in its place beautiful things. And here's the thing I love, is that he won't just build in your life, but he will then invite you to build into the life of others. He will invite you to his bigger project. One of the neat things that uh, the way our vacation Bible school ends is that we get to see with our kids that they get to be a part of God's building project. We are a part of God's building project. And you see this unique way, and I love this in some ways, that uh, this theme of partnership is really strong in these first verses, but all throughout this letter, this idea that they were partners together. He say down a few verses in verse 19. He says, I know that through your prayers. And then he says, in God's provision. All these, he's talking about how God's going to provide for him. But he points to a partnership. He says, I know you've partnered with me. You're praying for me. See, this is what's going to happen when we leave here today. We're all going to grab a prayer card. We're going to take it home. You're going to pray for not just that kid, but pray for that family. Let's pray for God's blessing in the family that we, we take home. Because we partner together to see what God is going to do. And we don't know quite what it is, but it's, it's an awesome thing we know he's going to do. Now, I would tell you one of the things that why this becomes so exciting is once you get yourself into it, once you begin to invest and join God in his work, it is quite spectacular. Uh, the best way I can describe it is if you've ever gone with us to Mexico. If you've never gone with us on our Mexico trip, please put that on your bucket list. Go with us on one of our Mexico trips because we'll do one of two things. Um, we, do, we, do, uh, like, we do a vacation Bible school and crafts and all kinds of things with kids, but we build down there, and we'll build either a church. Uh, so there's a big church planning movement, and so we're helping to build these buildings for churches. And so these, these little churches that are getting started, they're building these buildings, and we get to help build these first-ever buildings for these, these uh, church plants getting started. Or we build homes for families who are living in really just garbage, just pieces of garbage nailed together and a whole family living in there. And we, we demolish all the, all the garbage. We lay a foundation. We build for them this little, this little uh, home. And it's, it's fun. And you have a good time. You eat a lot of tacos. It's, it's just kind of, uh, the whole thing's great. And it all seems like it's a good time until the very last moment. And the last moment is this, is that we come together with the family or with the church leaders and there's a, a dedication and they hand over the keys. And in those moments, all of a sudden, the gravity of what has happened hits everyone in that circle. Because you've, you've kind of been busy the whole time doing stuff. And then in a moment, you realize, wow, a family's life has been radically changed. Wow, God is going to be doing some awesome stuff in this neighborhood through this church. And you see the tears on the family. And I'll tell you, I've seen more grown men like get something in their eye at that moment. Uh, yeah, so uh, just, yeah. Uh, 
It's powerful. And the reaction is, when are we going to do this again? When do we get to do this again? Because when you get a chance to join God in what he is building in the world, it is quite spectacular. So here's the challenge. You got a little orange piece of paper in your bulletin. And here's the challenge. You and I know this, that really a construction project can't begin until a contract is signed. You can, you can dream it up. You can get bids. You can talk about it all you want. But everyone's going to stand by like this until someone signs a contract and gives them permission to come in with a sledgehammer and knock down that wall. They don't, they, they're not going to move until they're given permission. This is just simply a token, okay? It's just a, it's, it's a, it's a fun application to today. But I do think as simple and cute as it is, it is dynamically powerful because of what it means. And if you look at the words, it's simply this, that you are in essence inviting. And I would say this, that what you're inviting over this summer is this. You're inviting God to come into areas of your life that you need his work in. Whether he needs to build or demolish or plan or rebuild but you're giving him permission. And so what I want to encourage you to do is take this home. I, I, I could give you some seconds to think about this and you can start working on this, but I really think this requires just a little bit of meditation, a little bit of prayerfulness. Here's, what, here's the challenge. In the next 24 hours, could you commit 30 minutes of your life? Now, 30 minutes, it, you can give up 30 minutes of your, your life. It won't, it won't affect the big scope of things. Except that, this might be the most profound 30 minutes of the next season of your life because if you have a moment where you and God have a moment of con- a deep connection and permission to say, come, work. And when he's laying on your heart, okay, if I come and work, just so you know, here's the things we're gonna do. This is the things I really wanna work on with you. And I, I pray he'll give you vision and that he'll give you courage. And it will... As any building project, it will get a little sketchy at times. You'll get scared. Trust him. He has good plans. He's an expert builder. He'll do beautiful things. And so take this home. Spend some time. In the next 24 hours, you get, I'm just asking for 30 minutes. Spend some time thinking. And keep this in a safe place like you would any contract. Keep it in a safe place that you can come back to and see. Put it in a place that you'll see it. Keep it in your Bible for the next weeks over summer and watch what God does. But let's pray together for that. And as we take a moment just to silence, let me encourage you, just in this uh, beginning moment, you can begin, as Sandra prayed, to dedicate yourself, a living sacrifice. And maybe you already know, you can just in the quiet of this moment, you can just start writing down some of those areas you know that he wants to work on. But take a second, and then we'll...